the lane and jams it down. Taking you behind the scenes and inside the locker room. You're listening to The Raptors Beat with Josh Lewinberg and Nikki Reyes on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. Welcome into the Raptors beat. Nikki and Josh here with you. Lots coming up in the next hour, including our chat with John Wiggins, the VP Organizational Culture and Inclusion uh, with the Raptors. Josh, he's such a, a bright, uh, passionate man for what he does. We talked to him a lot of things uh, about what the Raptors are doing, not just in the community uh, here in Toronto, but of course across the country. But we have to start with, uh, I guess... It is the biggest headlines going across the NBA right now and what's happening um, with COVID and how it's affecting the teams, particularly the Raptors, who were supposed to play tonight against Chicago. Um, Josh, what has this week been like for you? There's been a lot of pivoting and a lot of adjusting on everyone's part. How has it impacted you? Yeah, Nikki, it's been it's been a crazy week. I can't believe it's only been a week, right? Like that yeah. that news came down during our show a week ago today that the Raptors were canceling their practice due to an abundance of caution and we didn't know what that meant at the time. We found out later that night that Masai Ujiri tested positive, traced back to the Giants of Africa event that he held the previous weekend, which of course uh Several uh, guests at the event have also tested positive since then. And, and then, of course, the week goes on and, and throughout the league, more and more cases, more and more players and coaches going into the health and safety protocol. Uh, the Raptors game, as you mentioned today, it gets postponed with the Bulls hit as hard as any other team in the NBA right now. Precious Achua went into the health and safety protocol as a precaution so a lot happening here over the last week. And yeah, it's a bit of deja vu, I think. Like, here we go again. It was last week that Nick Nurse was talking to us about normalcy or or at least some semblance of it for the first time in a while that they were starting to feel at home again back in Toronto back in, in a, a routine rhythm. yeah in a rhythm yeah and it's been anything but normal ever since so yeah for me it's been scary a little bit stressful because I, I think we all become like junior detectives in, in this situation, right? Where, first of all, you're, you're thinking about the team, right? So you're trying to trace everything back. You're like, okay, the Bulls are, are dealing with it right now. The Knicks are dealing with it. The Pacers. So you're, you're like trying to connect the dots in your mind. You're like, who played who? This team played this team, which played this team, which played this team. So where is it coming right. from? How is it spreading? But then I, I think personally, and, and I know that you've been going through this same as me over the last week, you're like, Okay, well, Masai tested positive. When was the last time I saw Masai? Neither of us were at the Giants of Africa event, but we're thinking, all right, who was at the event? Who did we see? When did we see them? Then, of course, Precious Achua. We find out he's in the health and safety protocol, and we had that great sit-down interview with Precious last week. Mm -hmm. And, Nikki, you on the show, you were talking about how uh, great it was that he shook our hand. I was talking about how great it was that he gave us 20 <laughs> minutes of his time. And then, then we were yeah, freaking we're out. <laughs> he <laughs> so, shook yeah, our hand. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, he shook our hand. So we're, we're playing detective in our mind. It, it, it's stressful. And then from the team side of it, I, I give these guys a lot of credit in the way that they've handled the last week because, as we always talk about, I, I 
think humans in general are creatures of habit, but then especially professional athletes. These are guys mm-hmm. that have their routine. And again, they sort of felt like they were getting back to it a little bit. And then all of a sudden, just, just chaos. And yeah, I think if you're the Raptors, probably more so than any other team, you become somewhat accustomed to the chaos because of what they've been through over the last year and a half. It's been a crash course in rolling with the punches and adapting on the fly, but you can never really get used to it. And uh, that's something that Nick Nurse is stressing here and the team is stressing is not only staying safe, but being professional through all this and, and battling through it. You don't know when a game is going to be postponed, when a practice is going to be canceled. In the case of uh, the the other night's game in Brooklyn, you don't know when moments before the game you're going to find out that the other team is losing guys or that you're losing guys to the health and safety protocol. It can't be easy, but the Raptors have done a pretty good job of battling through it, and they're going to have to continue to do it because this isn't going away anytime soon, and this week was a reminder of that. Yeah, it sure has been. And and you're right. The organization has done a good job of pivoting. And the last thing you want is what happened last year to this to this team because we know how that went. But I think as far as everybody else goes, as far as the broadcast team goes who were affected as well, we know some of them are yeah. in isolation and will be coming out soon, hopefully. Thankfully, everyone is okay. I'm not giving away medical secrets here because they've announced it themselves. But just watching on the broadcast how we've had to change things. And in, even for us, uh, now we're doing our game day broadcast uh, from home once again, which is weird because it was so nice to be back at Scotiabank. But, you know, we you know we have to do and think of everyone's safety first. And of course, yesterday, yesterday, the, the province announcing that the capacity at Scotiabank Arena will be limited to just 50 percent. And so this is, you know, all it's all real and we, we can't ignore it. And it, it is happening. Um, and I don't want to know. I don't know if you want to debate whether or not the Raptors should have had that game against the Nets, but it was a 131-129 loss. How, how did that loss feel to you? W- was it a setback? Do you think the Raptors were on the right track and this was kind of a, a step backwards? Because I feel like this team is two steps forward, one step back. Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings on it. Like I, I think that it, it was obviously a missed opportunity. If for no other reason, you look at the Raptors, sure. they were right there in the game, overtime game, the Raptors' first overtime game of the season. It was winnable. Um, there were a few things, obviously, that stood out in terms of the rebounding disparity. And, yeah, you could say, okay, well, the Raptors were missing three of the top five rebounders. But you look at the other side of it, and the Nets aren't some big – physically intimidating team they were being out rebounded by dudes that most people had never even heard of that are like six four six five six six that comes down to effort that comes down to want yeah. more than anything else uh, it's not that i i think that the effort wasn't there overall for the raptors i just think that like we've seen so often this year it's sort of been selective right like you, they turn it up in the third quarter they turn it up in the second half and a little bit in overtime as well but where was it in the first half where maybe the raptors were taking 
the Nets lightly because if anything it should be the other way around for the Raptors right and this is one of the reasons why I was going to say it's a mixed feeling situation because they were in the second night of a back-to-back they were missing guys they were against one of the all-time greats in Kevin Durant who's playing MVP caliber basketball right now so maybe the perceived advantage that the Raptors had going into the game was a little bit overstated like this was not a cakewalk by any means but I do think just given the circumstances if they were going to run out of gas it should have happened at the end of the game not at the beginning of the game where there might have been a case of taking this team lightly and I know Van Vliet has talked about it a lot over the last few weeks where they play up to their competition and they play down to their competition so in that sense yeah this was a disappointment am I overly concerned about it long term like the Raptors had won four or five games going in I think they're still in a pretty good spot we'll talk about the positives from that Nets game in terms of Scotty Barnes who's playing out of his mind right now really impressive stuff from the rookie Siakam playing well Van Vliet playing well Trent even some of the bench guys I know the the Brooklyn game wasn't a great game for them but they've been better lately so my, my overall sense of where the Raptors are at right now isn't especially skewed by that Nets game but 100% missed opportunity yeah and I don't know how much of you know all the announcements of players uh being out of the game had to had on their psyche at all you know what I mean it's just hours before you're hearing James Harden and Bruce Brown are all of a sudden not playing and then you're like okay wait I have to go out there now uh and after the game you know Nick Winters was asked about it Pascal was asked about it whether or not they thought they should have played and and they're putting it on you know on the league saying listen we we trust what the league is doing that the health and safety protocols but they're human, right? You have to think there's a definite level of concern there. And and that's what maybe I attribute the slow start to because, um, because yes, this team has been through it before. They saw what happened last year when, when COVID kind of ripped through this team. So, But, again, no excuses, right? You got to come out, the ball goes up, and, and play the game. And you're right, it was a missed opportunity considering it was Kevin Durant and, and four rookies uh, for, <laughs> for a lot of that game. But I guess hey, maybe, it just shows maybe, how good yeah. Katie is, right? Maybe the COVID situation explains why they were practicing social distancing defensively in the first half. There you go. Didn't want to get close. Didn't want to get close to anybody. <laughs> That's it. I don't I blame joke, him. Joke, but no. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> okay. So do you want? <laughs> let's move on to. Uh, let's move on to your Kalos then, because you you mentioned it. Uh, some of the guys who've been really at least shining in the absences of of OJ Ananobi, Ken Birch, and, and Precious uh, Achua. Do you want to? Do you want to do the honors and start? Yeah, I mean, like part of me wants to give COVID the the three points this week. Nobody no. was more dominant than nobody was more dominant than COVID yeah. this week. But no, that that's in, that's in poor taste. I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> Fred Van Vliet, Fred Van Vliet gets my three points. So we talk about this every week that he could get those three points probably every week for the things that he he does on the court. And listen, I mean, he he was really great in that win or sorry I should say in that loss against the Nets but while I'm I'm giving him some credit obviously for for what he's done on the court here this week uh, most of this has to do with his initiative that was announced off the court this week um Van Vliet teaming up with the University of Toronto to create the Fred Van Vliet Scholarship uh, which will support a black or indigenous student through their undergraduate degree. And I mean, listen, we, we talk about this all the time. Van Vliet's a special player, but he's even more impressive off the court in terms of, like, th- there are guys that 
that talk the talk, right? But he's about action. He does it. He means what he says. He says what he means. He's real. That's something that Nick Nurse talked about this week, about how real he is, how authentic he is. And he's passionate about these things, right? Like, these are initiatives that that mean something to him and that make a difference. So, yeah, I, I mean... Three what points to Van Vliet yeah. this week for something that's far bigger than basketball. I agree. Uh, I like that. Oh, hang on a second. You got me thinking back to Van Vliet and, and the Brooklyn game. Did you like his last shot? The last shot that he had? The, his last look, I should say, for the win. Because I now, did now not. we're getting into this conversation of like of um, who should take the last shot for the Toronto Raptors. Van Vliet, between him and Pascal. Uh, should Scotty get a look? I think Gary Trent Jr. is making a case for himself. I know I'm divulging off from the Kalos here, but you just no, got no, my this mind is... going. And it's important conversation, too, because the Raptors have not fared well in these situations, both this season and especially last season. And so much of it last season, I know the attention was fixated on Pascal Siakam, yeah. who, I mean, the Raptors were giving a lot of those end-of-game looks to and... and I think a lot of it was unfortunate luck. A lot of like shots that were rimming in and out and, and, and just like unfortunate circumstances. I would like to see Pascal Siakam continue to be put in those situations. If for no other reason, then that's sort of where they, that's, that's the role that they've got him in. I do like that. They can mix it up a little bit this year that they do, that they do have different guys and they can change it up and be unpredictable. Um, it's now been a couple games in a row where Fred has gotten those looks at the end of the game, and both of them have sort of been those tough mid-range looks. The the problem with Fred, obviously, creating in those situations, and while he is a a a, a great playmaker, it, it's tough because of his size, size to generate yeah. a, a good clean look in those situations with the ball in his hand, clock ticking down, especially if the other team does feel like it's going to be Fred in that situation. It's tough for him to to get that separation on, on a shot. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd like to see Pascal in, in those in those situations. I think Gary Trent is interesting, too, and they've been running plays for him at the end of quarters, perhaps, as sort of a, a, a bit of a, a preparation for maybe going to him at the end of games. We've, mm-hmm. we've seen him. I mean, he had a game winner last year in that situation. So, yeah, it, it, it's not that I, I'm fine with Fred getting the look. I just think you've got to find a better way to, to get him a clean look. And maybe it's from three, too, right? Because And this is why they extended his range a few years ago. Is the further back he is, the more space, theoretically, he's going to have, too. And I just think once you get into that mid-range area, one, it's not a great shot in general. But two, like you're, you're probably not going to have very much space if you're Van Vliet in that area. Yeah, I I'm correct me if I'm wrong because Nick Nurse was saying he he'd rather it be just one guy than, uh, you know, on the inbounds they're they're setting screens, they're passing because in those late game situations that's when you know things can go awry. Um, so if they have that one dependable guy, I think the question is who is that one dependable guy? And you're right, Gary Trent. Like in the Nets game, you know, to end the half he had that the the three to to close out the first half, and against New York he had the go ahead three for them to win the game. So. Um, yeah, it'll be it's interesting. I think you know guys are being they're being given opportunities. It's just who's going to step up and, and and take it and say, okay, this is me. I'm going to do this. And you know, it's always going to be Fred, right? Like Fred is 
going to be that guy to step up. But you're right. His size um, is a contributing factor in that. Okay, so back to the Kalos. You gave three to Fred. I'm going to give three to Scotty Barnes because I just love how he's been playing as of late. Um, like at week to week, Josh, when we when we talk about him, he, he it's like he's 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 showing more. He's growing more. His confidence. You see him going up against KD and this 20-year-old rookie doesn't care. Like, he doesn't care that he's up against the, the biggest, you know, one of the best players in the league, shows no fear, taking it at him, showing that he has a step-back three. Uh, in the last 10 games, he's really, you know, he's really upped his three-point shooting, and, and I like that he's just shooting it with confidence. And so um, I just like where his confidence is at, and, and, and Nick Nurse is, you know, backing him up, saying that, he has to know that his his mechanics, his shooting mechanics, are, are good. And 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 um, and once I think Scotty's starting to really believe that because you could see it, the confidence uh, in his shot. So he's getting my three stars. Yeah, it's but crazy. I like your... another th- Sorry, go ahead. Another three threes for a guy that nobody expected to be doing this in terms of the offense, in terms of his shooting. Like that was the biggest knock on him. But you're right. Like the mechanics look good. And he's taking them with confidence, and they're they're falling. Like it, it's it's crazy how Wild. far he's come so quickly in, yeah. in that area. Um, but I agree with you. Like I, I think since that mini slump that he had last month, he's really turned it on mm-hmm. um, over the last like eight or nine games or so. Was that the best game you've ever seen him play against Brooklyn? I think so. Is that his best game of the season? Yeah, I, I, it's the one I enjoyed the most. Just seeing him up against Katie and you know working him in the paint and just that that step back three. I, I, I just there was something about that game where he was like, I, I belong. I belong in this league, and I don't care who you are. You know, um, yeah, I, I thought it was his best game. The one I enjoyed the most. How about you? What do you have? Twenty three, twenty three points of that game. Um, I mean, he got into some early foul trouble, which I think kind of, uh, you know affected him in the first half there, but uh, he was able to recover from that quickly, I thought. Yeah, and that's what you like to see from him is, like, I I can't think of too many games this season where it's been, like, clean all the way throughout. And that's just being a rookie, right? But, like, for for a rookie to be able to recover the way that he does in a game, in, in the span of a single game, like, we're not talking about, okay, has a rough game, goes and watch film, bounces back afterwards like even within the span of a game he'll have a rough quarter and then he'll have a huge quarter and that's what we've seen from him recently is like as as nurse says the peaks and valleys but there's been a lot more peaks than valleys recently it's sort of like i mean obviously there there were those gems against boston especially those that first game in boston Mm -hmm. but yeah that, that game against brooklyn the other night was really impressive it, it's gotten to the point where he does something, at least one thing every game that makes you say, wow, like jaw-dropping jaw, jaw-dropping plays. It, it reminds me almost of Vince Carter. Like if we're talking Raptors rookies, that used to be the thing with Vince is like once a game, at least he would do something where you're just saying, wow. And, and mostly yeah. with Vince, it was it was a dunk. Whereas with Barnes, it's like it might be it might be a dunk, it might be a block, it might be a steal, it he might had be a pass. Yeah, that pass against New York. Yeah, to yeah. Freddie, was it? Yeah, like yeah, he just does something. You're right. That just is like, oh, where did that come from? And 
He he never takes. I I haven't seen him take a full game off. You know what I mean? He's never had like a real stinker of a game. You're right. There's moments. There's quarters, and, and then he adjusts and, and just keeps it moving, which is what I appreciate about Scott. So, two points to Scotty Barnes from me. Uh, who's your two points going to? I'm going to give it to Fred for the same reasons you said earlier, and because I can't always give my three points to Fred, like because you're right, he's always going to come up, come out, and show out, and so. Fred gets my two points, but that scholarship, what he's doing uh, in the community, it continues to do like he's, it's just unbelievable. This guy, he, he, he carries the weight of this team. And, and then yet he still has, you know, the wherewithal and the foresight to be uh, active in the community and care about the people um, that are around him. So I appreciate Fred for that. How about your one? Well, your one point. I'm going to give my one point to Gary Trent Jr. I, I mean, you look at the Kalo leaderboard here. Only six points so far this year for Trent because I think he's sort of going under the radar a little bit in what he's been doing. Um, he's putting up big offensive numbers, and he's been really good defensively as well. I just feel like yeah. every week we're talking about other guys, but he, he's been really steady. Um, I'm not sure where the Raptors would be without him this year, just based on, I mean, obviously guys have been in and out of the lineup. He's been a constant for them and a guy that they've desperately needed to create offense, both for himself and I think he's sort of opening things up for other guys more than you would expect as well, just because of um, his shot and how he spreads the floor. And as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're seeing some of the the late, quarter offense from him they they like to give him the ball in those situations and I wonder like with Fred struggling late in games Pascal last year struggling late in games I wonder if Gary Trent's not that guy that you want to give the ball to at the end of a game if for no other reason than like one you know he's not afraid you know he's going to take that shot and he does a pretty good job of like even if it would be a tough shot for other guys he's just got this way of like he's got really good balance on that jumper really good like way of squaring up and making a tough shot mm-hmm. would be a tough shot for other guys look like a, a good shot for him so uh one point for yeah, Gary Trent for me t- uh, this week yeah I definitely think there's there is no lack of confidence for Gary Trent and that's why he would be good in that late game you know situation he is a bit streaky though but you're right where would this team be without him I know was it just last week we were talking about trade scenarios and Gary Trent was one of the names or one of the pieces you know we would move out this week I'm like no way uh, please keep Gary Trent Jr. with this team. Uh, my one star, I'm going to give it to Utah. Um, you know, like he 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 had his first career double double this week, and and I like the defense that he's been he played particularly uh, in that Brooklyn game against KD. He wasn't always the primary defender on Kevin Durant, but you know he he was on him. He was smothering. Him. I think he even had like a, a block or at least a deflection uh, on Kevin Durant, and he just always brings the energy. Utah always brings the energy. He always brings the right attitude. Uh, if his shot could fall just a little bit more, that'd, that'd be great. But he's always ready to go, which I, I like about Utah. And, and after the game, you know, when he had that double-double against Sacramento, he was saying, you know, he really emptied the gas tank in that one. And he was exhausted. And that's how he should feel. That's how he should be playing. Uh, that's when he knows, you know, he, he's giving it his all. And so uh, I appreciate that about Utah. And I don't – has he gotten any stars this week? or Yeah, so he's at, he's he's at, at four couple? points. Four okay, points. Well, he's got another one. He's got another one for me this week. Well, a fun battle atop the Kalo leaderboard. It's the it's the vet and the rookie. Fred Van Vliet with twenty four points on the season. Yeah. 
Oh. Scotty Barnes with 21 Kalo points. They, they're they separating themselves a little bit at the top there. Pascal Siakam in third with 12. So we'll keep an eye on that. We're going to take a quick break, but John Wiggins, Raptors VP, Organizational Culture and Inclusion, coming up next here on the Raptors Beat. It's Rick Potter! You're smiling on me! The Raptors beat goes inside the locker room, bringing you the latest from your Toronto Raptors on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. Welcome back to the Raptors beat. Josh and Nikki with you here, and we're very excited for this week's guest, somebody that we've wanted to have on the show for a while. Looking forward to catching up with him, and he's on the line with us now, John Wiggins. Vice President, Organizational Culture and Inclusion with the Toronto Raptors. Good morning, John. Thanks for doing this with us. How you doing? Good morning, Josh. Good morning, Nikki. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm doing really well and, and looking forward to chatting with you guys this morning. It's been a crazy week for, for everybody. I think most people have had those moments of deja vu here over the last few days with the case counts going up and... Uh, health and safety protocol, canceled practices, postponed games. What's it been like for you guys? I know the organization has felt it. What's it been like over the last few days? Uh, a similar, like you said, deja vu, a little bit more of the same. I think we, we got really accustomed to this in Tampa. And, you know, a canceled practice and, and everybody kind of go back to your rooms, your, your places, and, and just, you know, stay safe and then let's move on to the next one is something that, that we found to be very familiar and regular. I think it's different now that we're in the city and, and Toronto's kind of seeing us do it and, and we're canceling a practice and for the first time in the season and that also becomes, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a thing. But I, I think we've all understood that COVID's not gone. These are things that we're going to have to deal with and continue to have to plan for and, and plan around. Um, and, and so we're ready for it. As you saw, the guys hit the court again, healthy and safe. And um, that's what we'll continue to do. John, when your role as vice president, organizational culture and inclusion was announced, there was a lot of excitement about having someone focused directly on impacting change. And, and now a year and a half into this position, what are some of the challenges that you've encountered? And conversely, what has been most rewarding uh, in what you've been able to do? Yeah, thanks, Nikki. Good, great question. I think the, the first obvious challenge in the role was was not being around the team and, and obviously the team being in Tampa. Um, you know, to want to make change uh, and, and kind of have an impact in the community and in the country, but not being in the community in the country was, was definitely different. And I, especially not being able to engage directly with the players as much as I wanted to just based on COVID and back and forth travel. Uh, those are, those are probably the, the biggest challenges. I, I think that the next one was just kind of where do we start and, and, and how much can we do? You know, a lot of people started reaching out. A lot of people, there's a lot of issues and problems in the world and, and we want to be there for as many people as possible. So, so I think it was just kind of triaging all the things that are coming our way. I, I think where we're at now is, is we're back home, which is great. And, and we're, we're finding ways to integrate with the community and, and with the market on how we can help and how we can show up uh, as well as just being a part of some of the, some of the, the issues that are taking place in the world today. So, you know, one of the first things we did when we returned was, was to head out to London and support the Muslim community out there. Uh, we, we continue to advocate for 
you know, Indigenous and Black people while we're here and we're using every platform that we can, whether it's, you know, the flags at our arenas or our, our, our social channels or our content pieces or, or our broadcast. Any and every way we continue these conversations and use our voice, especially to educate our fans, uh, those are the things that, that are really happening that we're proud of. John, you grew up in the Toronto area. You're from here. What has it meant to you over the last year and a half? I know you've been working within the organization for a while now, but to be so hands-on in impacting change in this community, what's it been like to take on some of those challenges? Yeah, it, it, it's fulfilling, um, very much so, right, to, to know that I can use a platform uh, to actually impact the people that I know you know, and, and whether I know them directly or indirectly, you know, you know the communities, you know the networks, you know the neighborhoods, um, and, and you actually have some resources to actually go out there and, and make some change. Uh, I think it, it, my re- impact has been one of, of just a sense of responsibility now, right, um, to, to really go out there as, as maybe a community leader or an industry leader and, and push forward some of these challenges, break a few of these barriers, give opportunities to people that don't necessarily have them, uh, and just kind of expand my own knowledge and experience. Um, you know, like you mentioned, growing up here in, in, in Peel Region, Mississauga, and Brampton, uh, I didn't know a lot about Indigenous history. I didn't know a lot about some of the challenges and, and literally some of the, the genocide and history that they've been through. A couple of weeks ago, we got to travel to northern Ontario and, and go and sit in the First Nations, meet with some of the chiefs, talk to some of the youth up there. It, it's mind-blowing. It's spiritual. It's reflective. And, and again, that sense of responsibility as a Canadian, like, how, how can I help you? How can, how can we help rebuild your community and help reconcile with, with your community? And we're proud to say that, that we're going to do that up, up in Chaguenda, Ontario, and then build a court there as part of our 75th anniversary project with the NBA. That, that's really, really fulfilling. It, it warms the heart a little bit, you know, to say that we can do something like that while we continue to learn and grow on a path to reconciliation with Indigenous people. So it, it, it wakes me up every morning. It, it, it keeps me busy for sure, but there's a sense of responsibility that that's the right thing to be doing. John, correct me if I'm wrong, um, because it happens often. Um, as rewarding as your position and role is, I, I feel like there's a, a weight to it and a heaviness to it. How do you temper frustrations that maybe change isn't happening as quickly as we'd like to see or as it needs to be seen? It, it, you're, you're not wrong, Nikki, at all. There, there are some heavy days. But there really are. Um, and, and you almost have to take a break. You have to step away a little bit. People don't realize it. It tends to be a lot of negativity, right? Like people aren't always calling, you know, to, to talk about good things. You know, they're, they're calling to tell you about problems and, and then you're trying to help them solve it. Sometimes they're, they're just calling an event and you're taking on that energy. Sometimes you, you don't know what's going on and now you're going and you're researching a lot of deep, dark history. And, and you just don't realize you're compounding a lot of negative. Uh, and, and sometimes you got to take a break. Sometimes I got to go and sit outside or have a tea or, or just, um, you know, take some time to myself just to, to regather my thoughts and my energy. But but the winds are there, and, and you got to dive into those winds as well. And I'm a, I'm a realistically positive, optimistic person, and so it doesn't take much for me to kind of shift back that energy and, and channel it into something good. And when we've got the winds, we, we, we really – we know they're making a difference, right? And then sometimes it doesn't happen as quickly or as often as we want it to. But when it does, we know that we're affecting change and, and people are going to be able to 
to be their true selves and advance their lives, their careers. Um, you know, we're making change that we might not see today, but for the future, that that's something that we can relish in. Joined by John Wiggins, Vice President, Organizational Culture and Inclusion with the Toronto Raptors. And John, it, it was a brand new role when you took it on a year and a half ago. An important job, but definitely not an easy one. It encompasses so many different things. And one of those things is looking inwards, looking inside of the organization and finding opportunities to reshape what has been a really great culture, but looking for, for those spots to be more inclusive and be more diverse. Can you take us through that initial process of assessment and evaluation, where you found those opportunities to make change, and ultimately what kind of change you've seen uh, happen o- over the last year and a half? For sure. Yeah, it was, I think, coming with an outside perspective, obviously, being a part of the 905 organization, but but not with the rappers at the time. I, I just came in with a clean slate. And, you know, you get to ask questions just being the new guy, right? And as I'm asking questions, then I can I can apply my expertise kind of in operations and, and in organizational culture and change and just say, how can we enhance the culture? It, it, there's nothing to say the rappers' culture was bad. It's, it's not. We're a championship-winning organization for a reason. We can enhance it. We can get better. And, and I think once we all decided that we wanted to do that, which is precisely what Bobby Masai, Teresa, Dan, all of us in our front office said, you know what, we, we can get better. But then I think that set the tone and the platform to say, okay, well, let's do an assessment, right? And when we brought in a third-party organization to do an assessment of our organizations. Let's look at our demographics. You know, let's, let's, let's look at the people in our organization. Let's look at the way we do business, everything from how we hire people to how we hold meetings, Um that put us on a roadmap, right? You, you you take a real honest, clean look at yourself and your organization, and it'll, it'll give you some information around where and how you can be better. Part of that was just polling our employees and our staff, right? Like, where do you want to see us get better? What what are some of the things that you're not comfortable with? How included do you really think you are in our organization? And you take those sentiments and you, you create a, a roadmap of how we can get better. That's That's got us looking at everything like the – the diversity of the staff at the Raptors, right? And and a lot of that comes down to intersection and intersectionality, right? We, like we've got a lot of women in our organization, but how many women who are racialized do we have in the organization? And how many of those women are in leadership positions, right? So so that was an example of where we could get better, right? When we look at our hiring practices, you know, everybody wants to to be a part of the Raptors, so maybe sometimes we we end up with our own kind of power complex and saying, all right, we'll put a posting out. Everyone's going to come. But where are we putting out those postings? How are we reaching out to more diverse communities and networks to make sure that we're we're bringing in different perspectives when the people want to come and, and work with us so that we can improve the demographic of diversity within the Raptors? How are we engaging our employees more often so that they feel more included in decisions that we're doing as opposed to just a top-down kind of directorial order approach? Um, and I'm happy to say we've made those changes, you know, and we continue to make changes that we look at how we can be better as an organization. So take a clean look at ourselves and, and then actually put in the work to become a better organization. That's what we've been doing. John, kind of on that note, when it comes to the players joining the team, new guys, I should say, how do you integrate them into the fold and, you know, bring their perspectives uh, into it and, and build upon the culture? It, it's also direct communication. 
you know, and again, it was text messages. When we finally had a chance to be around each other, it was, it was just sit-down conversations. And I think you got to realize, as, as most people know, our team's young. You know, I, I don't expect all of them to be the, the Kyle Lowry's who, are, who, who have a, a, a clear strategy on how they want to do things in the community. You know, some of our players don't. And, and so we can get where their intentions are, where their sentiment is, how they feel, what, what, what they are attracted to. <clears throat> where they want to learn and grow. And, and then it's for my team to build on, on those, those thoughts and those ideas. Um, the Fred Van Vliet scholarship is a perfect example, right? Fred knew he wanted to do something that would impact the student's life. You know, but Fred doesn't have the connections here in Toronto to start reaching out to everybody. So our team helped him build that. And, and we're really happy and proud on, on the outcome of how that scholarship came together. And, and it really just comes from a conversation. Tell us what you want to do, where you want to impact things. A lot of it is helping them learn as well. A lot of our guys are from the U.S., even the guys from Canada. They don't know much about residential schools or, or missing and murdered Indigenous women or unmarked graves that are continuing to be un, un, unearthed here in Canada. So, so we'll put together a quick learning session for them and then give them more tools and resources so that they can continue to learn. And the great part about our guys, once they heard that, they said, I want to get involved. How can we do more? How can we show up for that community? And, and that's how you build the conversation. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a little daunting for them sometimes because social justice, social change, everything that's going on in the world today, these are big, heavy topics. But we're there to just build with them. Joined by John Wiggins, Vice President, Organizational Culture and Inclusion with the Toronto Raptors. And, John, you, you mentioned it. Uh, I want to ask you about Fred Van Vliet and that excellent initiative that was, was announced this week. For those that missed it, Fred is teaming up with the University of Toronto to create the Fred Van Vliet Scholarship, uh, which will support a black or indigenous student through their undergraduate degree. Uh, it, it was something that you were a big part of, of uh, helping to, to get off the ground and working with Fred. What, what was it like to work with him on this and how much of an impact, how big of an impact can something like this make? He's steady Freddie, right? It, it, it's real easy to work with him. Um, he's got thoughts and he's a true leader. He, he really has a vision on how he wants to connect with people. Uh, he also, you know, he believes that, that he can share his learnings, his knowledge, his experiences with others. And, and I think when you just, you start there, right? That, that's what I mean. It doesn't have to be the biggest idea in the world. But he knew he wanted to impact somebody's life from a mentorship standpoint. Um, and, and everything from his brand to his clothing line to the things he does on social, we can just package all of that into a learning experience. And I think the more we started to talk about the learning experience, the more we realized like a scholarship, I mean, business management for a young individual would, would be a great vehicle for having these ongoing conversations. And, and it does impact somebody's life. And that's kind of thing where you're going to build a future leader one day. Um, and, and it's very comfortable for him. So for us, it was just reaching out to some of the institutions and finding kind of the best fit uh, and flexibility around how we can integrate not only just the scholarship that goes for school, but what happens, you know, in the summer, how, how can he be involved in working with Fred and men, getting mentorship from Fred, as well as MLSD? We've got all sorts of jobs and opportunities. We've got all sorts of partners that, that we can continue to engage this person with so they get a really awesome experience over the next couple of years as they're on their learning path. So I think the more we talked about it, the more Fred 
gave us his thoughts, his ideas, and, and provided us with direction. And, and for us, it was just filling in the gaps and pieces uh, from a tactical side. So, you know, love Fred's leadership. I think the other thing this does um, when you see the kind of recognition that we got out of it, it, it lets the other guys know that these are the little simple things we can do to change lives. And I think you're just going to see more of this coming out from the rest of our players um, because they all want to make a difference. Last one for you, John. Uh, word is you're a bit of a sneakerhead, true or false. And uh, in your collection, how many shoes do you have? Ooh, Nikki, you did your research. I'm not mad. No. I like it. Um, <laughs> I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the thing about my sneaker collection is I, I tend to to purge it a little bit. So I, I know I'm well over about 120 pairs for sure. Um, but every year I, I do purge them and, and send shoes down to the Caribbean to, to youth uh, who play basketball. So it kind of fluctuates a little bit, but it also gives me a reason to build it back up. So I'd say right now, yeah, I'm sitting <laughs> probably over 100 sneakers. I, I, I shamelessly just bought a pair last night because uh, they released a customized uh, on, the, on the Nike website, and, and I have to get some dunks. So, yeah, definitely a sneakerhead. <laughs> uh, you'll see me at the games in suits and sneakers all the time, but uh, it, that's my vice. Nice. Do you have an entire room for them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a storage unit at the bottom <laughs> of my place. And, yeah, a couple shelves, and, and they all just sit there. Yeah, they, kind of a thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's awesome. Listen, John, you're doing great and important work. We appreciate you taking the time to chat with us about it today. Uh, happy holidays to you and your family, and have a, a safe and healthy New Year. Hey, guys, thanks for the time. Happy holidays to you guys as well. Be well, be safe, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks, John. There he is, John Wiggins. Always great to catch up with John. We're going to take a quick break on the other side. We're going to look ahead to the upcoming week. The Raptors have more practice time than they thought they'd have, and they might need it with Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors coming to town over the weekend. We'll preview a game against the NBA's all-time leader in three-pointers on the other side that's coming up on the raptors beat feeling good just bet on yourself why wouldn't you just bet on yourself you're you just bet on yourself time to bet on yourself don't be afraid to bet on yourself on tsn 1050 the raptors live here i got my money on me i, I bet on myself crunch time on the raptors beat josh and nikki back with you and thanks again to john wiggins for joining us uh, yeah, a really great. important conversation with somebody who's doing great work in driving change both within the organization and throughout the community nikki uh let's look ahead to what what's going to be i think an interesting week for the raptors it's shorter than we thought that would be uh, no game on thursday tonight against the bulls is initially scheduled that has since been postponed so instead the raptors have a little bit more time to prepare for the best team in the league right now, the Golden State Warriors, <laughs> Steph Curry coming off of a record-setting night in New York, uh, passing Ray Allen for the all-time lead in three-pointers made. And it's going to be the Warriors' first trip to Toronto since Game 5 of the 2019 NBA Finals. You might remember that game. Sure do. Um, yep. And yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been a minute, right? The uh, the the Warriors were scheduled to be in Toronto. It was March sixteenth, twenty twenty, just 
Uh, after mm-hmm. the pandemic, that game obviously was canceled. Um, and it, it's going to be tough. Like the Raptors, as we've said, they play down to their competition. They play up to their competition, but they're going to need to play way up in, in order to beat this Warriors team. It's playing really well right now. Yeah, you said it. They, the Warriors are just a well-oiled machine, right? They, they just, they know their game. They know how they play. And when the Raptors faced them earlier in the season, uh, they did a good job of limiting Steph. Um, but they're just such a deep team. Um, I think the Raptors are going to have their hands full on this one. Although I like what you're saying. The Raptors do have a little bit more time not playing tonight to kind of work on a game plan. And not just that, like get their health, get their bodies healthy, right? Hopefully this is, uh, this is good for OG. This is good for Kim, who are still on the men. Still no idea when they're going to be back. Precious um, will be practicing with the team today. So hopefully he'll be back uh, on Saturday. With all that being said, if we're given a prediction, uh, I'm going to have to go with the Warriors in this one. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way. Like <laughs> yeah. I said, you'd have to have the Raptors play up, but they'd have to play way up in this one. This is one of those games where you'd love in an ideal world to have a full house and, and the atmosphere in that building, I'm sure, would be crazy. Yeah. But yeah. Saturday, the day that the government restrictions go into place, uh, half capacity crowd. It's tough, right? It's like I feel for those people that have tickets that I mean, we still don't know what mm-hmm. MLSC is going to do in terms of the ticket holders for that game. That should be announced sometime in the, in the near future. But, I mean, listen, we, we didn't talk about it much early on. It's, it's a necessary thing right now. I, I'm still not sure that too many people are going to be happy about this, right? Because it, it's, oh, I mean, sure it's literally – it's a literally a half measure, and it's one of those things where, like, I'm not sure who this satisfies because you're either in the camp of people that don't think that what's happening right now is a big deal and would be perfectly happy with the building being full, or you're in the other camp, in the more reasonable camp right now where you're concerned about where things are at, and in which case you're looking at this and you're like okay well if 20,000 people isn't safe then then why is 10,000 people safe so it is what yeah. it is for now i hate that phrase but it, it, this is this is our reality and and i i mean i wouldn't be surprised if the capacity is cut down even further as as the numbers go up and that appears to be where things are headed right Knock on wood. I'm going to be in the house on Saturday because I'll be doing sideline uh, for TSN. So I will report how creepy it feels to be in a half capacity Scotiabank Arena. You're going to have 10,000 fans who are going to be disappointed because they won't be able to go. Obviously, this was a marquee game, um, so it is disappointing. But you got to think of uh, you know health and safety first and, and, of course, the strain that it's causing on our medical system. But that's not this kind of show. We're going to keep it moving and look at uh, the Raptors' next game on uh, against the Magic on Monday. The 5-24 Orlando Magic. Josh, who have lost six straight games, 13 of their last 14. They're just having a real hard time this season. Obviously, uh, a rebuilding team. How do you see this working out for the Raptors? Yeah, the Raptors barely won the first meeting of the season. That, of course, was the uh, showdown between Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs. We won't get that this time with Suggs out of the lineup. Raptors play down to their competition, but, the, I mean, they've already lost to the Thunder and the Pistons. But I, 
you have to take care of business here, especially if the Raptors do end up losing to the Warriors, drop a couple games in a row. This is an opportunity to bounce back. I think that they will, so I'll say a win on Monday. Okay, yep. Pencil me in for a win as well. And lastly, real quick, we have to, they're against the Bulls on Wednesday. DeMar DeRozan is having a, a resurgent year, if you will, against them. Hopefully, assuming that they will be back at, and in action. How do you see this one shaking out? Yeah, I mean, I guess you have to put an asterisk next to any yeah. game against the Bulls right now because you really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Ten players right now in the health and safety protocols. Obviously, their games this week, Tuesday and Thursday, postponed. But they are supposed to play a couple more games before this one. They're scheduled for Sunday against the Lakers, Monday against Houston. And like by that point, DeRozan, who went into the health and safety protocol on December 6th, will be 16 days removed. So hope that everything's okay by then. What we've seen from teams coming out of these... Uh, stretches where they're decimated by COVID though and the Raptors went through it last year I'm not sure that they're going to be able to pick up where they left off guys are going to be coming back Uh, they need to get their conditioning back after long layoffs Uh, I'm going to say Raptors here yeah I'm going to go with the Raptors as well because you're right it's not easy to take that many games off at you know on top of (laughs) having COVID and the effects of that Um, so yeah I, I will take the Raptors in that game as well I don't think this is the week that the Raptors get back to 500, but they're hovering around that mark. They're close, 13 and 15. And, hey, they're they're right in the mix in a bunched-up Eastern Conference standings right now, just a couple mm-hmm. games behind Charlotte for sixth place, even though that they're currently slotted in 11th. So we'll see what this week brings. As always, uh, we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so go back, listen to our previous episodes. Uh, Please subscribe, follow, rate, and review, and we'll be back with you next week here on the Raptors Beat.